You are listening to Mosaic's Midweek Podcast. Through a series of personal reflections and stories, we share how the kingdom of God is breaking into our hearts and our city as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mosaic Midweek for the winter spring of 2020. 2022. I almost said 2021. It's not ideal. It's not ideal. 2022. Uh, Zaru is here with me. Zaru, how you doing? Doing well. Good to be back at it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I am just really, really excited about what uh, what this semester is going to hold for us. Uh, as we thought about in the, you know, we, we did a whole thing in the uh, fall on this really concept of feasting, mm-hmm. right? This idea of the Lord's Supper, communion, what does it mean to be around the table with others, the family of God, uh, soaking up the presence of God in the meal together, which is, which is going to be a sweet practice for our church. Um, but now we're swinging the pendulum yeah. uh, in some ways, and some of it wasn't necessarily ridiculously intentional. Um, it kind of was a bit of a happenstance or, or providence, if you will, but um, it's this concept of fasting, mm-hmm. right? This concept of self-denial uh, feels like in some ways the opposite, but I think it's probably two sides of the same coin, mm-hmm. uh, a holistic integrated vision of the Christian life right. uh, incorporates both a feasting mentality and a fasting mentality. And so as you think about even this, the term fasting, what is the first thought, what is the first image even that comes to your mind when you think of that term? Right, yeah. It's definitely always been the depriving yourself of food for a certain extended amount of time, typically 24 hours. Like even in my tradition, that was like the preferred traditional um, set time they would put upon it to kind of help people say, this is a practice that they did in the Bible. And to be honest, on top of that, what I thought of it was kind of Scott McKnight's picture of the B and C rather than the A and B leading what that is. And what that is, is like A is the sacred moment, B is the response, which is fasting, and then C are results. And so the response of fasting and the results have always been the way I've been thinking, all right, we're depriving ourselves of food so we can focus on God more and pray to him more to have more clarity about a specific prayer request we have, particular grievance, dream, and see him come through as we act in this way rather than seeing this sacred moment to do. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that B and C area. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, you know, for me, one of the things that's interesting is I, I think for growing up, at least the idea of fasting was really sort of this all encompassing thing, which I mentioned on Sunday, which is this idea of abstinence, Mm -hmm. right? Which is sort of withholding of anything, but the idea of fasting being a a withholding of of food Mm -hmm. is sort of base impulse. The image that comes to my mind is someone out in the middle of the desert Mm. starving themselves and them looking very frail. Uh, And, uh, (laughs) you know, that I think in some ways that seems terrible uh, and probably in some ways that that is terrible. But the the concept of actually going without Mm -hmm. a basic need for an extended period of time as a response to God's invitation to listen uh, feels like something needs to be recaptured there, mm. um, especially even in our, you know, current cultural moment and all that's happening. Uh, 
in the world. It just feels like, man, that to 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 withdraw or to detach ourselves from a base impulse and instinct that mm-hmm. is food um, to listen and be invited into the presence of God for formation. Right. Uh, like it sounds terribly difficult, but yet is an unbelievable invitation. Mm. Um, so I think as, but I think, but I've thought about it and I've thought, why, why do you think this concept of fasting is so detached from our lives, even though it's just littered throughout the scriptures. Yeah, I think uh, so. Scott McKnight is actually very, very helpful on in this because he kind of talks about a body image, an unhealthy body image we have as a church, and we fall into this really detrimental dualism where we bifurcate, we separate the body and soul and the body and spirit. When much of the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament scriptures try to integrate that all to I. Uh, to uh, really um, identify our bodies and our spirits, our souls, our minds, our wills, whatever you want to speak about with consciousness or heart being is whole personhood. We, we are whole beings. And so I think this concept of this disast- this detachment because of this concept of fasting, as Scott McKnight argues, which was interesting to me, even though I didn't really have the language for why this detachment happened, he helped me really see this detachment is because we misunderstand the body and its function and God's, um, God's desire for us to, to, to thrive in the world through feasting, yes, but also fasting is meant for... Uh, the same, the same purpose, though it's a different action mm-hmm. to to bring that about. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. It it feels like something that radicals do. Mm. Um, it 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 feels like uh, I don't know. It, it just there's something about it that feels like you know that's something that an extreme Christian would do. Mm. Like they're a little bit crazy. Like they're a little bit. That's a little over the top. Perhaps right, uh, and so because we've sort of toned down and and even watered down what it means to to follow Jesus in the twenty first century, the idea of fasting is just a little much, mm. or at least that's I think some of our uh, thought process, and therefore we've sort of detached it right. from this idea of whole life discipleship. Uh, and I think too, you know, in a, in a culture that we live in, even in the church that more is better, mm. uh, more is good, more is better. Right. And so the idea that we would say no to something, right. uh, particularly something that tastes good, that is good, that's satisfying, that we need, that we ache for in our stomachs, literally, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's almost like we are, we're giving up something for what we think is like no reason. Right. Uh, it's like a kind of a, there's a, it's a, it just feels, it either feels ridiculously radical or silly. Right. Uh, and I think that's because we, again, like you alluded to this, this concept of we've separated the, the our body following right. Jesus from our spirit following Jesus. And there's really nowhere in scripture that they separate the mm-hmm. two. And for whatever reason we have done that. Right. Um, so, so let's just be honest, right? Does fasting feel like enslavement or freedom? And why? Yeah, definitely for me, personally speaking, it is still at this place where it feels like enslavement. And 
I mean, before I considered this question, I probably would say everybody feels this way. But uh, I have to, because this is just what's been on my mind this past day. Uh, uh, like McKnight also references this guy in his book who wrote this book called To Love Fasting. You know what I'm saying? And he gets to this point where he really is genuinely so formed and in love with God through the ability to, to say no to what he doesn't need in order to confess and embody that God is all he needs, that God is his fill. And so when you are still beholden to a concept or a, a culture or a wave of desires that tells you you can get your fill here and your experience confirms that, right? Like I can eat every day, at, whether it's Chick-fil-A or I can watch Marvel movies every day or I can what? be on my phone every day or I can read every day and find this sense of fill there that feels free because my autonomy is apparently at the forefront of my choices, of my desires, this, that, and the other. So to me, I, even though I've, I've tried to re-implement fasting in my life and on a weekly basis, though not, though not um, um, successfully per se, there are still the enslaving feelings because I, I ignore the way my body will kind of say, hey, no, this is good for you. For you to go without now can invite you into a deeper, um, what's it called? Uh, yeah, introspective, but also a, a deeper pursuit of relationship with God in this moment than you could have ever like perceived. And so... Uh, yeah, to, to me, it definitely feels like enslavement. Yeah. Yeah. I think for any anyone that's entering into this at a beginning stage, mm-hmm. which in some ways I think we all are, mm-hmm. um, I think it feels like that because we have been conditioned to say yes to everything. Right. Uh, and, and so the fact that we have not been conditioned to say no um uh, and because we equate saying yes to freedom, mm-hmm. uh, and yet it's actually in that that we are enslaved to every nook and cranny of our desires. Right. Uh, and I think that is just the the beautiful, I think, hope in the, the next three to four months is this idea that we will move from being people who are, I think in some ways, even just unknowingly enslaved by the pleasures of the world to people who are free. Right. Um, and free people can say no. Mm. Uh, I, I was reflecting even the other day on Galatians 5, 13, I think it is, where it says, for you were called to freedom, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Mm. So there is, I mean, the, the spirit of the Lord is the spirit of freedom, right? right? This, that, that, is, that is who the Trinitarian God is, and yet... Uh, it is actually the power to, by the power of the spirit to say no. Mm. Um, and the people that I know that are the most free uh, say no the most often uh, to, to things that wouldn't harm them, that they're inherently good things, but they just said, no, I don't need that. Right. No. Uh, whether it's something that they're buying, whether it's something that they're eating, whether it's a, you know, literally a second or third helping or a, and that's a very small thing, or right. if it's a much larger thing, saying no to a job or saying no to, um, you know, really whatever it is. The idea is that we're not exercising that muscle. Mm. Um, 
because because we feel like if something is good, we must do it. Right. Uh, and that isn't inherently inherently true, which kind of brings me to that last quote that I read on Sunday. I'm going to read, just uh, kind of reread it to familiarize ourselves with it, but then I'm going to ask you um, if you find this true in your own life. This is um, John Piper in his book, Hunger, where he says this, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It is not the X-rated video, but the prime time dribble of triviality we drink in every night. The greatest adversary of love to God is not his enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not the poison of the evil, but the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. Mm. Do you find this true in your own life? Yeah, um, I think uh, at this point in my life, I've kind of like been teeter-tottered between that Romans idea of falling in love with the invention more than the inventor and trying to go back to love for the creator rather than the creation. And then uh, kind of matching that up against James, every good and perfect gift is from the father of lights. So you don't want to demonize the gifts that Piper is talking about in the, in here. So I've mm-hmm. tried to toe this, whether it's this balance beam or this understanding or narrative scriptures wants us to have in our relation to the gifts of God or particular his material creation, which, which are meant, they're not supposed to separate us from union with them, which is what is so beautiful about the sacraments, right? We, we have these gifts there played out to, to, to represent and to show us the incarnate God with us. And so like there, there is this very real sense. I don't want to demonize those little gifts anymore because they can be a source of abundance for joy in God, love for neighbor, this, that, and the other. But there is also a sense where if you're not careful, idolatry will seep in in ways that you don't think it already has. And then you find yourself in a place where you've entirely replaced God with all of the gifts. And you probably wouldn't say it that way. You would probably, um, uh, you'd probably like, uh, appease, placate the voice in your mind that's saying you might want to center God again. Right. And you're like, but no, it's okay. He gave this to me. He gave this to me. So I I think I definitely find that true. The normal, amoral, like not really detrimental towards, um, spiritual morality. Like those can definitely be the things we, uh, pay too much attention to when we're not careful, even though, I'm trying to learn right now how to enjoy them more without feeling guilty as well. So I kind of um, go back and forth between those dispositions. Definitely feel like the the gifts are meant to be enjoyed. That God has given his world, he's made the world good and good things in it. And for us to to lavish in them is a really rich thing. Uh, I think the challenge for most of us is, one, enjoying them in general, but in two... In enjoying them, what where does that bring our heart? Mm. You know, where does it bring our state of being? Right. Does it bring it to a place of worship, of rest, of just of of sheer laughter and enjoyment, reflecting on how good God is in the midst of a beautiful day yeah. or a great meal or whatever you whatever have you? And I think 
fasting is an opportunity to remind us that man does not live on bread alone. Man mm. does not live on gifts alone. Right. Uh, and as good as they may be. And it is not difficult for me to compare God to, say, um, an earthquake or a hurricane or an abusive relationship or whatever, and, and or not compare, but contrast God mm-hmm. to that thing and say, well, I, of course, God must be better than those things. I mean, it has to be. I right. have to believe that. Right. But it's much more difficult uh, when it comes to the great gifts right. that I have to say, well, I mean, this is pretty good. Right. I, I'm enjoying this. And I do I really, do I feel my need to be reminded of how much I need God? Mm. Um, or am I just sort of drifting along? Right. Um, and I think one of the beauties of the season we're about to enter into is like this is a calendar reset right. where we actually get to stop and reorient our, our literal bodies yes. and therefore our, our our whole being to the fact that we ache for God. Mm-hmm. And we there is an echo of an ache for God in the world. And we, in the invitation to fast, join in with the rest of Romans 8, mm-hmm. uh, with the rest of creation, aching and groaning for the renewal of God to come again. That's good. Um, so it is going to be a really sweet thing. It's going to be, I think it's going to challenge most of us, if not all of us. I think it's going to be uh, difficult, but anything worth doing is uh, is going to be hard. Uh, and in the Christian life, it is typically in the moments of self-denial where God actually does some of his most miraculous mm. work. Um, so uh, as John Wesley said, like, why are we not more holy? It is because we want the ends without the means. Yep. And uh, this is an invitation to engage the means. Well, for Zaru, this is Wes signing off. We'll see you next time.